Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? It is December 26, 2016. We are coming to you on recording from the Brook House. The Brook House. The Brook House. The Brook House. The Brook House in Brooklyn. Vice HQ. We're actually recording this a few days before when you're hearing it. Don't tell him the secret. I got everything I wanted for Christmas. Is that the secret? It's okay. What did you get for Christmas? World peace and Donald Trump's not the president. I don't think you got either. Wait a minute. (laughs) Let me wish. Let me have a Christmas wish. I don't know that that's going to... You, I'm gonna let you keep having yeah. the dream for now. Let me Daniel. dream, beautiful we'll talk, and big. We'll talk on the real 26 <laughs> about whether or not that's good. true. If but you fall asleep now, and never wake up, then you don't have to experience it. That's dark. a good point. <laughs> <laughs> good dark point. Ha- happy holidays, everybody! Yay. From your friend here, Waypoint. <laughs> keep your heads up. <laughs> keep them up. Everyone's happy. Hey, dream big. I wanted to dream big. Okay. I'm coming at this with positivity. Yeah, that's fair. I'm dream, dreaming big. Got to, got to hold on to your dreams. That's right. Patrick Klepek, Daniel Riendo, you are both here. Yeah, I'm here also, and it is holiday time, which means that we are not, like I said, coming to you live. We are coming to you on recording because we're all just going to like try to keep it easy this week. We, yeah, that doesn't mean that the website has stopped updating. In fact, by the time you hear this, there should be a bunch of uh, hashtag content on the website. We're doing something kind of cool, I think, yeah. for our end of year stuff. We're doing uh, a, a school yearbook. Yes. Welcome to the Waypoint High School class of 2016. We're giving out senior superlatives, things like like tardiest and class clown and cutest couple. We're talking about the clubs of Waypoint High School. Good extracurriculars, yeah. There might be some fan fiction, some crossover Hell art. yeah. Welcome to Waypoint. This is how we do it. <laughs> we do it by like saying, like, well, what would happen if somebody from the division met someone from Call of Duty? That's a fiction that's coming up later this week by Robert Rath. And that – it sounds like a silly thing or like a bad thing, but it's actually so good. It's a very uh, good thing. Was the last one I had my editing hands on. Um, and it's really good. All of them have been really fantastic. There's some great art. I, I'm really happy we got to do our own personal lists. Uh, those will be coming out throughout the week. We we are going to be able to do uh, you know a whole bunch of different things that let us talk about the year in games, both in terms of like what we liked and the trends that we saw. Um, you know, everything we'll be hitting this week from from uh, the year that there has been in shooters to kind of surprisingly good. And, and we uh, we asked one of our best freelancers, one of our favorite freelancers, to tackle that subject for us. Um, to, you know, the the rise of different sorts of fandoms, to uh, a whole bunch of stuff. So so make sure you go to waypoint.vice.com, a.k.a. waypoint.zone, a.k.a. <laughs> bazinga.zone, a.k.a. digitalpyramids.com to check out 
all the different stuff we do this week. Uh, we'll also probably try to do a couple of streams throughout the week. Yeah. Again, we're, we're pretty much working from home. Uh, we're, we're trying to actually rest and recover. I got a lot of emails Play to go some through. games. So, uh, yeah, play some games. <laughs> some of that, too. Like, so, real talk, a lot of what I'll be doing this week is playing games so I can finish my top ten list. Because yep. there's a lot on that list that I... There's a lot of games that people loved this year that I didn't get a chance to play. Yeah. And so I'm going to try those before my list goes final. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, sure Smart. you are. What are you two going to be up to this week? I'm going to I'm going to play with my pets nice. and I'm going to play uh, a lot of games mm-hmm. as well. I'm going to hang out in Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Okay. Oh, so you're going to be up in Rhode Island. I'm going to be up in Rhode Island for a little bit. Excuse me, sorry. Oh, wow, At you're the up moment. in Rhode Island right now. <laughs> yeah, it's real snowy up here. Wow. It's real, real cold 200 miles to the northeast. <laughs> Great. <laughs> no, it'll be fun. It'll be nice to to chill out. I'm going to spend some time with my girlfriend, my family, and yes, we are going to play a lot of games. Awesome. That'll be nice. How about you, Patrick? Uh, it, well, considering this is uh, uh, my daughter's first Christmas, it'll be a lot of parading her around to. Right. <laughs> oh, I, sure. I will probably get precious little time to myself. It will be a lot of just getting her around from place to place <laughs> every day. Oh. So hopefully, hopefully, I'll get some time to play some games. But uh, eh. uh, it, it's that, you know, I love games, but like that doesn't mean that that's the only thing you should be doing with your time off. That's your job, Patrick. Yeah. Let yourself have. No, my job, my job, my job, my job is shepherding this baby around for a week. Oh, right, fair. <laughs> that That's is fair. your, That's your other job, right? Uh, well, you know, I, I mentioned that one of the things I'll be doing on my time off is uh, answering emails, catch, catching up on emails. I feel like maybe it's the thing I always say. You is do like, a live really, stream of your emails. Oh uh, man, maybe, maybe we can do that. But but what that might be what fun. We definitely can do is get a, get ahead of the game right now by making you help me answer some emails right this second. We're going to the question bucket. Yeah. Baby. No, we're going to answer your email inbox. Yeah, that's Help right. You I'm answer gonna... that. What's the first thing you got in your inbox? You right know, now, Mike has his yeah. privileges, I guess. Austin's Mike Guyver just messaged this. me and said, I should be around. Message me beforehand, though. <laughs> if Skype, I'm at, and then I'm not going to say what his Skype name is because we don't believe in doxing. That's not nice. It's not nice. <laughs> that's what differentiates us from other publications. That's right. Anti-doxing. <laughs> True news only, no doxing. Yeah. Yep. The one before that is, great, want to drop me a line when you guys finish the podcast? Don't want to disturb. I'm going to say, I'm going to thanks, Dylan. Thanks, Dylan. Thank you, Dylan. That's cool. Dylan's a rad Probably like 430 person. question marks. And I'm going to hit send on this for real. Danielle, confirm. I'm hitting uh, send. Yep, he's hitting send oh, for boom. real. Stop that. Thank that you really happened. On. Collaborating. Next email. <laughs> uh Okay, great. Put the flat file files for all the cards in the Google Drive GFX production folder. Good. Let me know if you're missing anything. I'm not going to reply to that email. Someone else has that all Somebody else? Yeah, somebody else's problem. Four it's other good. people. Next email. <laughs> this is about a thing I want to write later, so I'm not. Or I'm going to close this one and go to real <laughs> emails to the question bucket. What I'm going to do is actually we're going to go back to some of the old questions yeah. and we're going to come forward to the new ones. Danielle, you're you're looking bright and, and, and yes. clear-eyed into, into yes. the future, and so I'm going to let you handle the new questions. That sounds good. I am, like I said, far back on my work, so I'm going to go to the bottom of the bucket. Got to dig the bottom of that bucket, that, gonna, those I'm questions gonna, on the bottom This there. is the first email we ever got <gasps> to, to the question bucket. I'm going to start <sighs> there, and we're going to work our way forward. Bucket beginnings. That's <laughs> true origin story right bucket here. Bucket beginnings is... <laughs> Is that is it the first movie in the series, or is this a relaunch, or is this like a yeah? Prequel? Bucket Beginning sounds like something yeah. that comes like it's the sixth movie. It's like ro- the Rogue yeah. One. It's like ten of years later. It's right, <laughs> yes. exactly. All right, this comes in from Ben, who says the Vita and the 3DS are both heading towards the ends of their lifespans. Mobile games are so dominant here among young adults and teens. This is an email I've already read, isn't it? This is an email I've already read. I don't think it's during my tenure. 
Patrick, we already answered this email. How do you I'm know that? You just, because you, the next he, bit is about how he's in Japan, and when he's in Japan, people all around him play games on their subway, but they don't. They thought of his childish, our, our portable oh, games yeah, yeah, childish. Yeah. We started yep, talking about iPads. Yep, yep, we yep, did this yep. question Maybe already. This was I didn't remove it from the bucket. I fucked up. <laughs> it's okay, my John friend. from Virginia by way of England. Thank you. Says, Thank you. Hi, Austin and Patrick. Mm-hmm. I've been playing Darkest Dungeon this week, and Danielle, but again, way, yeah, way this before. This is before my time. This I was, understand. This was before your time is before. Danica's time is There were no Dans at Waypoint at that point. Zero Dans. Oh, it's very sad. We're a two-Dan company. Duo Dans. Yeah. Uh, hi, Austin and Patrick. I've been playing Darkest Dungeon this week on Vita, and while the control scheme has taken some getting used to, I'm loving the Lovecraftian-inspired mythos and aesthetic of the game. Wayne June's voice acting is a, is a huge plus. I'm actually playing that again right now. Oh, nice. I'm in, like, my own head the deliberations of end-of-year stuff. I'm like, oh, Darkest Dungeon officially came out this year. Is that something I might put on my mm. list? I need to revisit it. And like like uh, John from Virginia by way of England, I think the controls are a little rough. Um, yeah. Anyway, John continues, any myths, traditions, or religions you'd like to see explored in a, in a game? Any other Lovecraft-inspired games you know of? Really happy mm. to, that you two at uh, all are working together on the new site. Looking forward to seeing it grow. Best, John. Thanks, John. I want to see more games about Egyptian mythology. Okay. Because I think they have some... You some know, dope there's some mythology. really interesting characters and really interesting stories, and I've been I've been getting into mythology in the last year. I started listening to the Myths and Legends podcast, Ooh. which is very fun, uh, and yeah, I just that's always been you know it, it's always been sort of window dressing in in many games. You know, there are, you know in like platformers and things like that. There's always been oh look, there's hieroglyphics. Right, it's a, right. You know, but the actual mythology the enemies of, have jackal heads. Right, close it's, enough. It's like oh good, that's Egyptian. It's like no, I want to actually hear some of the. The really in-depth, uh, yeah, you know, stories there. How about you, Patrick? I don't know, I'm trying to. Th- I can't. I'm not sure if I can think of any particular sort of mythologies, but like I, I often one of my favorite parts of the Assassin's Creed franchise is just it uses stabbing Ooh. dudes as a uh, premise for doing AAA budgets for uh, depictions of environments that you probably couldn't get away with in any other style of game. Yeah. Um, so like I part of the reason I I have really enjoyed those games is like a chance to like yeah like to to explore cultures um and and parts of the world vividly rendered in a way that uh they can justify doing cuz you're stabbing dudes but uh <laughs> like I I wish there were games that explored like different uh parts of time different different cultures but I do, my main thing to do was not stab dudes and find weird mythology yeah. objects yeah. and assassins like I'd love a, I'd love yeah. a game that was as beautifully rendered as Assassin's Creed um, in those different parts of a time in which my interaction, my verbs with the world were slightly different. Um, and maybe we're getting to that point where, uh, you know, it's just like technology is catching, catching up and smaller teams can, can do things. But I, I, I totally. would, uh, that time still feels a little bit far off, but, um, I wish there were games that were set in those sites of time periods that are, uh, not common in video games. But my reason for being there was, you know, not necessarily just exploring, but like something that wasn't just, you know, going around and stabbing dudes in the neck. Which is fine. I like stabbing dudes in the neck. I'm not trying to Me get too. down on it's stabbing great. dudes in the neck. I'm still pro stabbing it's dudes in the neck. good to stab a dude in the neck. <laughs> pro stab. Yep. Pro stab at waypoint. Uh, I think the thing for me there is like with the, the parallel or I'm going to build off your thing of like, oh, the Assassin's Creed games let you go to these different time periods. The thing uh, – there's a lot of obvious influence from things like Dan Brown and Umberto Eco. Uh, obviously, there's a, a lot of influence from one of those things to the other thing anyway. <laughs> yeah. A lot of biting on, on Brown's part from Echo. But the thing I would have loved uh, games to get into is the stuff that is in those books of like, oh – Faith and culture and history are contested spaces, and and 
um, you know, Assassin's Creed does that narratively of just like, oh, the Templars and the Assassins are fighting over whose version of history the world sees, right? Um, oh, if we get this magic object, then we can change people's minds about X, Y, Z. But I would love the game – this is the person I am. is like I would love the game where like I'm looking at different documents from different sects of medie- medieval Christianity and like seeing them bicker and debate over interpretation of, of uh, dogma and interpretation of – like that's the person I am. Yeah. Uh, like, and in general, I want that to be the thing about games that that how games take culture and history and religion into themselves. Every now and then, someone does this, and it's like, um, God, I'm trying to think of what. Oh, it was um, the thing that I loved in o- the new Odin Sphere yeah. uh, remake. The the whole game is a frame story presented to you in these like storybooks, and in the the remake in those. In those storybooks, you would get bits and pieces of the narrative that would be like to handle to you straight, like, oh, the princess did this, 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 and this, and her father, blah, blah, blah. And then sometimes at the end, you would pull out another piece of paper that was like a, a bookmark or like a note left in the, the book. And that would be a note from an academic or from whoever owned the book last that was like, of course, this represent, you know, this yeah. position reflects that the author was, was biased towards such and such a thing. I love that sort of extra layer of texture totally. over game narratives. It reminds you that history is written by humans, um, and that it's debated and, and all that stuff. So, so more of that. Uh, and in terms of the, the second little mini question there, any other games inspired by Lovecraft, like, a, a billion. There's a billion Lovecraftian games, but I do want to shout out uh, uh, Call of Cthulhu: Dark Dark Corners of the Earth, which was the first person shooter from like. Is that the Bethesda, Bethesda game? I think that was the Bethesda game. It was from like for- published by Bethesda. They forever didn't ago. Make it? I don't think. Yeah, I've I've heard that. Uh, that I've always wanted to go back and play that game because it's 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 always been yes. recommended to me as like a like an interesting horror game. Um, that, but that it, it's it's like incredibly broken and hard to play. It's incredibly broken, and I think at a certain point it kind of devolves into a kind of a shitty shooter, um, and just kind of like you become a little too powerful, and it's about just shooting fish people because it's an Innsmouth yeah. game. But the opening like act is really strong. The opening like first four hours, which is like you get to Innsmouth, everything is clearly fucked up. You're not here to kill people. Um, and then it just kind of goes, it goes off the rails, but that, that opening like four hours or so is still really strong and cool of just like, this place is messed up, but like, I'm not, I'm just going to go get a hotel room, I guess, and be weirded out. And then like, there's just a fan, there's one fantastic sequence early on of like, you have to go to bed. And if you go to bed, like the fish people are going to come for you in the night because they know that you're snooping around. But you have time to prep the room for that to happen if you're suspicious. And the NPC with you, if I remember, I might be misremembering this completely. It's just like, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm locking the door and moving the cabinet in front of the door to keep it from from keep people from coming in. And like, I love that little bit of of automatic payoff. It was just, it was that was really good. Um, There's a game called Eldritch that I really like. Eldritch is really good. It's pretty rad. It's like yeah. Minecrafty looking. It's more of a rogue like, but it's sort of set in. That, in that general is universe by one of the two David brothers, Pittman? the Pittman, yeah, That's Pittman it. brothers. They have a company that, yes, uh, it's a really fast. Yeah. Uh, not. I, I almost like comparing it to Spelunky, despite the fact that it's totally. 3D, yeah. And that it's about going on runs and like, okay, what what weapon did I get? What item did I get this time? Um, it's really cool. Yeah, it's pretty rad. It doesn't. It doesn't. For me, the thing with that game is like it. It takes the. I like that game in spite of the the Lovecraftian mythos stuff sure. in it. Yeah. Um, because it's just kind of a layer on top. It doesn't actually like. It doesn't really dive deep into the mythology. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, step one: fuck Lovecraft for being a huge racist. Step two: agreed. Yes. If you're going to adapt like the cosmic horror style, the stuff that I really love from it is the like. The best analogy I've ever read for Lovecraft's horror is is from a friend of mine who used to run the Call of Cthulhu tabletop role playing game for me. Okay. And he said that like facing a, a Lovecraftian 
like enemy facing a monster from the Lovecraftian mythos facing Cthulhu is like learning that a round peg fits in a square hole and that that is like it should shake you in a way that's like oh I can't trust anything everything is broken you know like this thing is so massive and so strange and so like non-Euclidean and all that stuff that's stuff that I really like from from cosmic horror and I love the sort of like oh you're a small person in a world that's huge and hates you um, or is or is, ambi- is is ambivalent to you? Doesn't even notice you. Um, so I like that more. Than like oh, that one has Cthulhu face. Like right. that Cthulhu monster. Yes, the uh, fish people the kind fish of thing. People, right. Yeah. Fish people are okay. I, I'm pro fish people. Make more games. <laughs> with fish Zoras in, in Zelda. Yeah. They're they're all right. They're yeah. nice. They're nice in Zelda. Clockwork Empire has fish people. Also. Nice fish people. No. <laughs> I, no. Not in my experience. They're I mean, not they're nice they're fish people. If you're into yeah, yeah. Cthulhu mythos, you should watch the movie From Beyond by Stuart Gordon. There you Great. go. Great horror film with Cthulhu stuff. What's the one that I liked a lot by um, Carpenter? What's the Carpenter movie that's like, what if Stephen King was also fighting Cthulhu? Not fighting, oh. was like, was, went to Innsmouth, basically. Mm, uh, Mouth of Madness, in, in the Mouth yes. of Madness, uh, is like also Lovecraft adjacent. And I like in the Supposedly Mouth of Madness. Supposedly also a good a video game. I've never played the adventure game. Wait, is it, there's an adventure? There's an In the Mouth of Madness adventure game? What? That's wild. Okay. Um,. Danielle, do you want to give us a, a hot new question from the top right. of the bucket? This is from the top of the bucket. It lasts 16 hours, in fact. And this one kind of, do we say last names? No. Okay. Not unless they say, it's cool to say my last right. name. Uh, this is Ryan. Ryan writes, hey all, sorry if this is long, couldn't find the time to make it shorter. Very nice reference right there. <laughs> there I like go. that. I am in a weird place. I was raised off of video games, for better or worse, uh, spending tremendous amounts of time perfecting my SNES Aladdin run or fully exploring the worlds of Final Fantasy VIII, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, or Arcanum of Steamworks and Magic Obscura. You got it. Good. Video games have always been my passion and my, my, my retreat Excuse me from the world and my stresses. Then I had kids, a career, marriage, not in the typical order, but they came. I spent five years playing a very few select games, to give you an idea. Uh, someone who played Mass Effect 1 and 2 in depth, but didn't even uh, play for a second. Uh, the third one, which I discovered might not have been such a huge loss. So, right. Yeah, right. I like the third one. I like fun. it. Eh, story, man. Anyway. Uh, now my kids are older and enjoy games themselves. I have more free time and disposable income. However, every game I pick up, I fail to connect with. This year alone, I bought Stellaris, Darkest Dungeon, Dark Souls 3, Divinity Original Sin 2, City Skylines, Dragon Age Inquisition, and a few others. Some of these games I couldn't even bring myself to finish for a reason I can't even find words for. Soul series are my favorite games, and I finished Dark Souls 3 once, and now I can't find the interest to play at all. In the last podcast, Austin talked about getting through five horrid hours of Final Fantasy XV. Patrick joked about how he how the thirteenth chapter will make you question life choices. I, f- <laughs> I feel like I'm in the thirteenth chapter of my video gaming life. Have any of you ever felt this way? I say with certainty that it was part uh, in part for my age. Uh, in my life now, I can't stand have my hand held and drip fed. So many games do. So it's hard to uh, get through the start of some games. I can't stand to see the same dumb mechanics or mistakes made. I hate having my time wasted like I felt in Dragon Age Inquisition. Too long. Have any of you ever lost your passion for games or aspects of gaming? Is something you power through or reconnected with? It's uh, one. Uh, I it, it, there is uh, the the movie or the game I was thinking it was. I have oh, a different yes. screen, different game. which is actually that game's cool. Not, I like yeah. that game. Um, it's dark. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's interesting that. Uh, 
this letter comes a couple of days after uh, Jeremy Parrish, who yeah. a longtime uh, games uh, uh, writer, critic, um, mm-hmm. historian. Like there are probably precious few people who write about games that can yeah. actually give the term historian, and Jeremy Parrish is, is probably one of them. Um, who has been the editor in chief at uh, uh, U.S. Gamer for a number of years? You wrote it one up. Like if you followed games writing for the last. 10, 15 years, you, you uh, almost assuredly uh, know or at least have read Jeremy Parrish's work. Uh, and he recently stepped down uh, as the AC. And one of the reasons he cited that, like, uh, I want to pull this uh, from this paragraph here. He says, uh, he says, I confess I find myself somewhat alienated by the current direction of the games industry, unconvinced by incremental hardware upgrades, unenthused by the VR boondoggle, unexcited by rigid AAA game design formulas mandated by the need to recoup hefty development investments. It's not impossible for someone to run an interesting site center around covering those matters from an outsider adversarial perspective by uh, being an aggressive cynic. But that's not really my thing. I gave up on cynicism for its own sake a long time ago, and I know too well how hard game creators work, even if they're constrained by the system, to take any delight in trash in their efforts. There's far too much negativity and hatred in our current social climate, both in games and otherwise, and I don't want to contribute to it. Nor do I think anyone at US Gamer does uh, either. I think it's kind of interesting yeah. to like recognize this idea of like the way... like. You know, obviously Jeremy's coming at this from a very different perspective, but like it rang similarly true of like where you feel, uh, and I'm sure we all feel this way sometimes where it's like everything that's happening in games like doesn't <laughs> appeal to you for whatever reason. And it kind of like drives you up a wall and it makes you wonder like, is there yep. something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with games? And so I thought it was a fascinating parallel that like Jeremy, like in some, you know, there's a lot more going on with why he was leaving, but like recognize that, uh, he just isn't a big fan of like the games people want to talk about right now, and so that made him a weird choice to be in charge of a site that, in some way, should probably oh, talk sure, about yeah, games sure, that totally. people want to talk about. Um, and so it sounds like Jeremy, in some ways, is going something uh, through something similar to uh, totally. I, I feel like that's not all that uncommon. I feel like there's uh, two things. Like first is like, oh yeah, you get older, your priorities change, etc. But I don't know that I want to dismiss this person's emails like another one of those because it sounds right. like. He's already gone through the stage of like, oh, I have newborns. I have, you know, I, I'm settling down a little bit. Like, I, I have other priorities. That part he settled down with, and it sounds like was still playing games during yeah. that period. Now his children are older, and now he's finding like, yeah, I'm not. They're just not connecting. I, I don't know that that's a bad thing necessarily. It's, it's. I get the frustration. I've <laughs> yeah. been there for sure. Of just like. Ugh, it feels like nothing happening right now is exciting to me. I even think about a year like this where I've loved a lot of games that came out this year on paper. Like, push them to shove. I'll say, like, oh, man, these are some of my favorite games. Like, I think this year is filled with amazing games, great games. But I can't be pushed to, like, defend any of them the way I defended Invisible Ink last year. Or, sure. like, I can't – nothing moved me this year despite me stepping back and saying, oh, yeah, I think Overwatch is a brilliantly designed multiplayer shooter. Oh, I, you know, I think such as, like, I have all of those things, like, intellectually, but I'm not feeling them. Um, and that is one of those things that's like, okay, I think I have to, I take a step back at that moment and say, is this a, is this a, a down cycle? Like, or is this, like, a, a more permanent thing? And, or is it reflecting something in the industry, as, as Jeremy was saying, where there's a disconnect between my taste and the industry? For me, I think I'm just in a down cycle. It's been a very busy year. I haven't had time to, like, let something really soak yeah. soak in. Um, but but I don't think there's anything wrong with t- doing that evaluation and saying, okay, I'm going to really limit what my game intake is and and find something else to fill my, my spare time with that I really do love. Like, get into writing, get into reading, get into movies or music. Yeah. Um, experiment with other stuff. Do crafts. Get, pick up a sport. Like, 
all of that stuff is is none of those things. Despite the fact that I'm like dedicated to building a really great website about games that that are shouting from the rooftops about the coolest things happening in games culture, I don't think games are any more valuable than any artistic or entertainment medium. I'm not here to have that fucking argument. It's a boring argument that people who are deeply unconfident in the medium make. Um, I was reading a, an academic essay years ago about television, and it started by saying, as we all know, television is the most postmodern of, of media. And it was like, yeah. you, you added that to get like some, to get like a nod from a publisher somewhere, so that right. this piece, that it wasn't a piece, it was an academic article. So this journal about postmodernism would like publish this piece, and it's like, you don't need that shit. Like, make the case you want to make without having it to, without resorting to the art game's art thing, right? Yeah. Um, so, so for me, like, if that's your situation, you, right now you feel like, oh, I'm, I'm down on games right now. Take a step back. It's cool to do that. It's totally fine. Like, the games will be here for you. If you ever want to come back and play something you loved, you can totally do that. Or if you get that, like, oh man, you know, Miyazaki is making a new game in, a, in whatever comes after the Soul series, and you're curious about it, give it a try, and if you bounce off of it, it's it's that's a bummer, but like it's not. You shouldn't feel less of yourself because of that. I often find times like that where I'm not connecting is also a good time to re- reevaluate the games you're playing. Yeah. Like if you do just want to play games and you're just you're frustrated by the games you have been playing that aren't connecting, like maybe that's an opportunity to like reevaluate. Like what are genres totally. and franchises that I've written off? Like maybe this is an opportunity to like. You know, like for me, it's like, you know, like I've never played a Civ game. Like the next time I run into a rut, it's like maybe that's the time to like try that. And like so maybe it's also a good time to like expand your horizons and like realize there are lots of other games out there that you probably never even consider playing because you've written them off or had a bad experience with them in the past. Yeah, yeah, I think that's super worthwhile. I know the thing that brought me back when I was having a super dry spell when I played like maybe one or two big games and then otherwise just played mm-hmm. like puzzle games on my 3DS or DS, actually, because this is like 2012 or so, I I started learning how to make games, and that actually made me really passionate again about games because I I look at them in a sort of a little bit of a new way. I obviously am not like any kind of AAA developer, just like learning a little bit, and it's actually incredibly easy. If you have a a computer at all, you can do something like, not even Unity. I mean, you can can even dive in on something like Game Salad or or something super, super sort of light and, and get at what makes these things. That's what made me feel like, oh, this is magic. Like even knowing the way it works is is actually really interesting and fun for me. Right. So that helped me actually be like, oh no, these are these are awesome. Like That's even like, when they kind of suck, like it's totally. there's magic. Here, like, yeah, you know? it's like the opposite solution, right? Which is yeah. like, instead of taking a step back, <laughs> take a step forward and say like, you know, why is it that I like the games that I like? Yeah. What makes them tick? How does how does someone make a a design decision? How does someone make a balance change? Um, and like digging into that stuff could could spark the interest because you're you you won't just be playing it in this kind of passive position. You'll be playing it in this really inquisitive way about like, oh wow, this level design is really interesting, or or like and why it is. Yeah, yeah, I like all that. Awesome. Yeah. Good question. Uh, I'm gonna go to the next question over here. I have no idea if it's good or bad. I haven't seen it. <laughs> Just digging com- in. This comes in from Mike, who writes, uh, really enjoyed the first podcast. You have a fan. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Uh, just wondering what your take on the whole concept of the mid-generation console refresh we are seeing this time around is. Do you think uh, a good? Do you think this is a good step forward or a kick in the teeth to people who supported the console at launch? While it's not unusual to have multiple refreshes of hardware during a cycle, it is strange to see a sudden focus on 4K console gaming, albeit with an upscaler. Uh, when there are a few games hitting the magic 1080p 60 frames per second number as it is, or even 30 frames per second uh, for that matter, the 
cynic in me would say that the TV industry needs to shift 4K sets as almost, uh, as almost none of the manufacturers are making high-end 1080p sets anymore, Sony being one of them. Uh, and a 4K-capable console is a good incentive to do that. What do you think? I, I never want to buy another piece of technology again, so I'm like the okay. worst person to ask about this. I, I <laughs> genuinely lie. want the, the one console future. Right. Like, truly, I want one device that I can like beam onto a screen that's like on my wrist or something, yeah. and I can do all the things from there. So I'm awful. Don't ask me but this does that question. Mean for you, does that, <laughs> I guess that's my question. Is like, do you see these steps of like, okay, consoles are becoming more like – more like PCs sure. and that they're getting updates more often. This is I'm being very speculative here. Who knows what this means for the future? But but if that were the case, is that a step towards the one console future? I don't know that it is. Okay. I, I hope it is. I'm I'm just like a Luddite at this point yeah. in, in these terms. Like I, I love my technology, I love my toys, but I just the entire business of consumer electronics is something that frustrates me Fair. ever, ever further, especially as we we go through the kind of economic frustrations and political frustrations that come along with that, with sure. having the shiniest new toy. So I am further and further becoming a, a, just a dirty hippie who, who hates uh, nice. buying new stuff. It's good to know. It's good to have, you know. I'm glad right I'm at a gaming website, yeah. right? That's hey, good. I fit right people in. People say that I only hire the same type of people. And, uh, <laughs> it's clearly not the case. Patrick, how about you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on like the 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 the, the appeal of the one console future in the sense that like if you look at like the Xbox versus the PlayStation. Um, but I also appreciate that we live in a world where like the Switch exists, and sure, like, I think companies sure. like Nintendo that are genuinely doing things differently with hardware, thinking of hardware not as uh just another box with their exclusive set of games, but like a box that approaches the concept of games and how you play them differently. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad that like companies like that exist. I'm with you that if I could just merge my PlayStation and my <laughs> Xbox in one device, like that would change very little, you know, about yeah. how I, how I play yeah. those games. Yeah. Um, as for like what actually like happens with the, the mid-generous refreshes, like I don't think these manufacturers know either. Like everything I know about Microsoft's incentives, everything I know about Sony's incentives for having done this are, are largely driven by the fact that, Technology is not advancing at the pace that it used to, um, and that what drove the creation of the Pro, which driving the the score, you know, the, the Scorpio is a little more uh, complicated because yeah. it's essentially, in some ways, it's it's the fact that technology and advancements are slowing down. In some ways, it's Microsoft forcing a reset of this generation so they can kind of pivot. But if you take that part out of it. Um, and look at it more as like a broader trend. Um, it's the fact that like the difference between the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4, while yes, those games look better, like isn't the gap from the PlayStation 1 to the PlayStation 2, the PlayStation yeah. 2 to the PlayStation 3. And that is just going to continue to be the case until we are proven otherwise. Like games will continue to look better, but those giant leaps that uh, allow people to justify spending hundreds of dollars on a new device uh, are, are disappearing. And so uh, but there is that section of the populace uh, that if you hand them the faster, slightly faster, slightly shinier version, they're going to be excited to get that. And so Sony is essentially saying, well, we're going to have our cake and eat it, too, where we can sell a new console uh, to some section of the audience while maintaining the previous uh, the current generation and not quite uh, fully moving on in the way the cycles have worked in the past. So I don't know that necessarily the the Pro and the Scorpio like indicate that's what's going to happen. Right. But I also wouldn't be surprised if that I, I see. I don't expect there to be like annual refreshes like that. I don't think video games are ever going to get to quite to that point. To, but, to phone. Yeah. yeah phone but like this, model. the idea of like something every three, four years, and then actual generational transitions are like eight years, nine years. Like that's not you know super shocking to me and. Um, you know, I think it was super little frustrating with like a game like 
The Last Guardian that runs at yep. an, an atrocious, atrocious frame rate. Like sometimes, uh, do you have a do you have a regular PS4? Or is yeah, that... I have no interest in buying a pro. Yeah. Like, but and the Last Guardian is just impossible for you. It's not impossible. It's just uh, like I, I'm someone that played on a console for a very, very long time. I yeah. I, I got into PC gaming uh, literally by accident, where I was fortunate enough that like a giant right. bomb fan that right. heard me complaining about the fact <laughs> that I just really didn't have the extra funds to build a PC. T- took extra parts and then shipped me a fucking PC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's, you know, I'm incredibly grateful because it's, it's allowed me to, 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 to engage in PC gaming since. But by playing on consoles, like I got used to low frame rates. Like I, yeah. I it never bothered me. And so, but then PC gaming kind of spoiled me because now, mm-hmm. now I'm used to it a little I'm bit. Right in a there way. with you. Yeah. But, uh, like with the Last Guardian, it's like that game had basically unplayable frame rates at certain points on the regular PlayStation. But on the PlayStation Pro, if you do like these weird set of tricks, you can like force it to like, Downsample to 1080p and get it to run at like a snappy 30 frames uh, a second. That sounds. I should do that because even on the PS4 Pro, by default, it's still really framing. There, uh, yeah, I will send you a link to like a weird Thank set you. of tricks that you have to do in your settings menu, and <laughs> it's bizarre. God. So that's a little frustrating. But I don't know. Like I just don't. I guess like, the long short of it is like it doesn't bother me too much. Like I don't feel a real desire to. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I have a pro. Maybe that's on Sony because I don't think they made a real interesting pitch on why I should get it. Like if their pitch was, hey, uh, you know, play games at 1080, 60 frames a second, like th- I would have bought a pro. Like I would have right. bought a pro yeah. if right. like there was a guarantee that those games it would have needed to be a different thing if it was 1080p, if they were guaranteeing 1080p 60, right? Like as it is, I don't know that that hardware can guarantee that for a lot of games. Right. So it would have been an even more expensive product that would have been even an even harder sell yeah so tough i don't know i'm curious to see how it shakes out is, is kind of where i'm at yeah. with these things like also fuck 4k who cares about 4k no one exactly no one really really could, really not, not, not no one sorry but, yeah but not a lot of people like i'm, not, I, I'm know, not dismissing that 4k looks beautiful and would be great but it's just like i don't know i get uh, yeah the, you know the other day the editor-in-chief of vice.com jonathan smith shout out jonathan smith uh came over to the desk and was like yo uh, i'm thinking of buying a console it's the first one mm. I, I will have had since like the ps2 or maybe the xbox 360 or something right like like hasn't played a game in eight years um and i'm not sure should i get the ps4 or the ps4 pro like it's uh, the, the i'm like well, what are the prices i didn't realize the ps4 regular that there are deals right now that are like Two ninety nine with a game, and it's like, yeah. oh wow, that's a great, that's, that's a pretty bad. solid yeah. deal. Yeah. Uh, and so we went back and forth over, and I was like, do you ever have an intention to to get a four K TV? Do you have an intention to do VR, PSVR ever? Like, here are the places where I think maybe you should consider it. But at the end of the conversation, I was like, man, just get the PS four. Just yeah. it's fine. And then like the next day, I got an email with a picture of him, his partner, and their dog oh. all wearing a Skyrim mask Good. helmet thing. Because and, and he was like. Thanks for the advice, dude. It rules. It's like, all right, that's normal people. It's going to be fine. That's right. This isn't what they do day in and day out, where it's not their only hobby, where they what they want to do is like play a game sometimes. The same way like you or I want to go to a movie sometimes. The regular PS4 is going to do fine for them. I'm curious to see 
how the Scorpio is because like on numbers alone, the Scorpio looks like a much bigger jump. And so I'm curious if that's actually reflected uh, in the, the hardware, like in the games that will be coming out for it. So we'll see. We, we will see in the you, future. You got a new question over there? I have a new question. Awesome. I'm going to read about half this email because otherwise I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I cut them all I, the time. Thank you for the praise, gotta, Ross. But gotta edit. But, you know. Uh, Ross writes into us, the question I have is this. Do you think that the recurring subject on the show of having a large backlog of games, not finishing games, and games being overly long has to do with a fear of death? I'm just letting a pregnant pause go yeah, there. I got it. Uh, this may seem unrelated, but hear me out. While your responsibilities as game journalists may make this more severe, I don't think this is an issue specific to professionals. Games satisfy a human desire to escape the constant reminders in daily life that our time here on Earth is, is finite. In a game that we can enjoy the illusion of exploring a world endlessly until we have seen all it has to offer, even returning from death to press onward, <laughs> it's tempting to apply the same logic to the consumption of games, making it an even more pleasurable meta-escape. Just look at my Steam library. Endings are hard because it's a reminder that we are mortal. Our lives will inevitably end with a backlog of games we never got to play and experiences we never got to have. Yeah, like every game in my Steam library is like an entry in my my bucket list, right? It's true. It's a promise (laughs) I'm making myself a future free time. It's like, ah, yeah, I'm going to buy this because I know that at some point it's a thing I'd really like. In the same way that like I can't quite – that it was hard. So last night I finally advanced into Altissa, which is – it's not the – it's not like I'm on the final stretch of Final Fantasy XV, but it gave me the notice of like, hey, heads up, you won't be in the open world for a little while. Oh, yes. And it – took some doing to get my like myself in the place where it's like I have a quest log filled with stuff I haven't done. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to move forward and just get through this. And I think it's the same thing whenever I have to when I finally decide like okay, I'm not going to play X. Like I'm not going to do it. I'm going to move on with my life. It's just not going to happen this year. Like um last year that was with Call of Duty Black Ops 3, which was like a game that had been kind of not panned but had been had not uh, received universal critical acclaim the way many of those games had and uh I was still curious about it because of that. Because like, yeah. huh, there's some weird stuff What's in the story. What's different here? And yeah. at some point I just have to make the decision like I'm not going to play this. I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to play it and it's okay. And I can see the, the mortality angle there that like that's not a promise I wanted to make myself. There are other promises worth making. Like I still really want to go to France. Yes. Right? Like, and so I'm like, not – Like you should play Doom. Like, it's on the, it's, <laughs> you should play Doom I'm in, in Paris. I, I should Doom in Paris, right? Exactly. That's, yeah, that's actually, the new movie, Doom in Paris. Right. That's yeah, actually the MF really Doom re, remix. It's my favorite rap in Paris. Right, yeah. Right. Thank you. And, uh, so <laughs> the yeah. So I, I actually kind of I like that conceptual angle. The like you're harping on the things you wish you had time to do because we all know we don't have all that much time. I, I really like it's it's funny I don't do this as much with games sort of consciously but the my favorite piece of entertainment in the universe TV games movies Farscape uh-huh. I still have not seen the finale of Farscape Danielle. I've watched through it like four times Danielle. and it's because of this it's because I don't want it to end it's Danielle I don't want it to end you know how it ends I know exactly how it ends okay. one of the main characters <laughs> dies and I'm really sad about it even though it's been years the the finale aired in like 2004 it's been like 12 years. Yeah. Death is rough. It's hard, man. Yeah. Eventually, I will watch it, but I need to, like, so, at this point, I need to, like, build myself up for I need to get, like, yeah. tissues. You need to rewatch it, like, three more times. Three more times, and, and then, then get some ready. tissues, like, get a blanket ready, have some, like, you know, my girlfriend holding my hand. I got hey, you. Hey, I get okay. attached to things. That's fair. <laughs> I, I, I almost want to defend this practice of, like, 
the the takeaway for me shouldn't be that it's pathological to have a to to refer to your backlog so much as it's like deeply human and yeah. like and that that is in and of itself a coping uh me- mechanism for knowing our time is limited yet both in the specific like oh shit i don't have enough time to play games and also in the broader like oh like who knows um yeah. i i, I kind of like there's an almost ritualistic quality of like oh yeah each game that i say i want to finish is like a little prayer that things will calm down and that i will have that time in my life yeah. I, that's not that's not the worst thing we could be doing it's not it's not bad you know it's also just games are long. That's the other. That's the other right? problem. Yeah. Games yeah, are long and yeah, lives are yeah, we, complicated. Yeah, we can talk about it for like we can like talk about this for ten minutes and then just go, yo, shit, games are long. Yeah, for The Witcher. <laughs> I don't have. I just don't have 110 hours for The Witcher right now. Huh. It's true. Short you question. Can find like, you can find like eight hours for Doom. You know. I found yeah, two so far. I'm like two hours okay, into good. it. Yeah. All right, okay. I'm gonna come back to it. I'm gonna try to beat it on. Um, next question yeah, uh-huh. from Alexander. Uh-huh. 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 I have to uh-huh. I have to finish it before end of the year. My end of the year list comes out. I have to decide whether it's my thing or not. So, yeah. or I could not, and then I don't have to put it on my list when my list is already really cramped. There you go. That's like the fear of it. That's the other side of this. Is <laughs> it's that the other like, fear of death. Every here. game I yeah. don't. Yeah, if you if you like it, then it's like your your perpetual like seven through ten right. that you mm-hmm. are just yelling at. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like that's the other reason I keep things in my backlog is like if I don't play it ever, I don't have to voice an opinion about it. You know, like I just don't have to deal with it anyway. A lot of anxiety. I just got. I, got, I just got a, a. I don't want to reveal the specifics of it, but I got a text message from uh, Giant Bombs Vinny Caravella where he like he me- he messaged me and he was like, "Hey, this game." It was pretty fucking good, right? We had this, <laughs> I think I had like, I had a similar conversation with Vin, with Vinny Caravella earlier that said uh, I think it's the same I think it's the same game. I don't want to spoil it in case No, it's no, no. Is- no, I'm not going to say what it is, but he's like what is your feelings on blank? Yeah. I had to remind myself I put like 30 hours into that game. <laughs> Okay, I don't think it could have been. That. I think it's we'll a different game. I think it's I think a different so. game. I think if I know what game there, you were talking about. Yours is shorter. If you put thirty hours, thinking the game, the game I'm thinking of, then, I, then Vin, like I know Vinny's a completionist, but come on, bro. <laughs> I think that, I think he may have pulled the game he talked to me about for the game he talked to you about. <laughs> Possibly. All right. I literally think that happened. Anyway, we'll, we'll, good. Like, the podcast after game after the game Giant Bombs game of the year, we will visit this question. We will and, absolutely. And Vinny's questions. Yes. Uh, <laughs> good timing on this because this one comes in from Alexander from Norway who says, "With uh, Austin and Patrick having both been a Giant Bomb, what are you taking with you from your time there into the new site, uh, and and what do you want to do differently? Keep up the good work, Alexander from Norway." I know we've talked about this actually a couple of times, Patrick. Like, obviously, we have this this shared history at Giant Bomb. Yeah, we love those guys. We love what we did there. Right. We love what they continue to do there. Um, but we also have had to say, like, all right, like, this can't be Giant Bomb 2, or we can't attempt to do that. Like, that's you're setting yourself up for failure. And we don't have the same exact skill sets as, like, what that whole group of people does. Um, we would fail at being Giant Bomb 2. You, yeah. The second <laughs> you try to do that, you're setting yourself up for failure, right? Like, you, like you, you and I are not, like, you know, Ryan and Jeff. We're not Ryan and, and Jeff. Not, like, yeah, I, and that's uh, – I, th- I think what I took away was, like uh, like, being honest and, like, feeling – uh, like you're doing honest, uh, interesting work that is true to yourself. Like that was my yeah. main takeaway of like my nearly four years there was like, uh, like I know I'm good at my job. I'm going to make sure the jobs that I get going forward allow me to do shit that I'm proud of yep. and that I feel good about. And I'm going to realize that I work within some certain constraints like that. That's the, you know, yeah. by not, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, even Danny O'Dwyer, who's, you know, crowdsourced and, you know, doing his own thing, like, and is, quote unquote, removed from the system. Like, he has his own set of constraints. But, like, I think just uh, trying to do your work honestly and being proud of the work that you do. And if you're not doing that, 
figuring out why you're not and try and work towards yeah. doing that. Because it's why Giant Bomb works. Like, Giant Bomb doesn't work because of, like, it's a bunch of dudes sitting on the couch. It's like, no. no there's like, a lot of people who are just a bunch of dudes sitting on the couch. Yeah. yeah. It's a bunch of people being honest about what they, the work they wanted to do and, and the things they like and, and speaking uh, uh, truthfully. And, like, that's that was my takeaway from my time. Yeah. I think that that's, that's a lot of what I want to bring forward from there, too, for me is, is, is that stuff. And just, like, you know, a conversation I had a lot then would be, like, Hey, are we putting this trailer? Hey, Alex, are you going to put that trailer up? And then be like, well, why? Like, why would we put that trailer up? Is anyone here excited by this trailer? And if someone's like, yeah, I really think it's really cool and exciting, like, oh, yeah, cool. Awesome. Like, let the things that we cover reflect who we are as, as individuals. Um, and, and more than that, even like, be engaged with the things that we like and like try to figure out how to talk about the things that we like and the things that we don't like too in a way that is that is critical but also really entertaining. Um, and that can be really tough to do. Uh, and, and for us, the other thing is just like if the three of us are being honest about who we are, the end result is just not going to be the same thing as Giant Bomb, right? Like it's going to be more long depth written pieces. It's going to be video documentaries. Not that, not that people like, like Vinny, you know, aren't and Drew aren't capable of producing really great video documentaries, but like there's other stuff there. Um, and that's the, the other thing for me is just like doing slightly different formatted stuff. Like that's, that's, I want to play with format in a way that we, we couldn't there. Um, not, not for any negative reason. Um, but because like the bread and butter of Giant Bomb is, is quick looks. The bread and butter of, of us so far is text art. Articles, right, like they're, they're just different interests, um, and so now that I have the the time to do that other stuff and like curate that stuff and edit that stuff, I I, I had time to edit one piece a week at Giant Bomb because we were yeah. busy doing other other cool things. Here we can edit uh, dozens of pieces every week, yeah. um, and that's really exciting. And and you know it's it's a different model. Not to say we're not doing streaming and video and stuff, but it's about finding finding a, a slightly different balance that that reflects our strengths. You know, I think the one other thing I would say is that. Uh, this is not a constraint put on on me, and I, I don't think for you at our at our time there, but it was more of a constraint of the audience. Uh, yeah. Was like I found, at, especially at my time at Giant Bomb, like my thinking shifted, my work yeah. became more political, and more of myself was in my work. And at no point in my time there did anyone there tell me to not speak my mind. I yep. wrote whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. Uh, but the audience had different expectations, yep. and so what was part of what was exciting about. Even when I went to Kotaku, it's like I went to an audience with certain expectations. Like what was exciting about coming to Waypoint um, was this idea of like, this is the site we want to build. <laughs> we're going to write the articles we want to write. Fuck the people who don't care about mm-hmm. that. And we're going to build an audience that is interested in that right. so that we're not running into that audience issue of like, well, the audience wants this, but the writers want to do this. And like, we'll still have our tensions there. Of course. But like that happens with, with any audience. But like, there was something I think like, the, if you look at all the people that work here at, at Waypoint, like, there's a very sort of specific sort of philosophical mindset that that is very similar, even if our opinions are different. You'll notice a lot of our work is political right. and we have no problem sharing that. And so that's also part of what I took from Giant Bomb to hear was like, this is the kind of work I want to do now. You figured like, it out. I need I need to find a place to do that where I can do that honestly and that the audience is going to be excited about it. Totally. Like you want yes. the audience to appreciate the work you're doing and not be like, why don't I – don't do this. Go do why. Um, right. And so I, I think that's that's one other point too. Totally. I, I I've said many times, at least privately, that like I'm very glad you had your your stint at Giant Bomb before I had mine. <laughs> I, that, the audience changed when you were there, right? Like the audience was forced yeah. to confront that stuff. I would not have survived uh, at the the previous set of uh, the previous full more full audience that had a lot of people who recoiled at the notion of talking politically about, about games. But like by the time I I was finished, and again like you like 
everyone was really encouraging that I would go down those those rabbit holes. Like, yeah, I, I, you know, Brad edited a lot of my reviews and like loved doing. I loved having Brad as an editor, and he like helped me be both political and and like more traditionally critical in in those uh, reviews to talk about games like Homefront and like how am I supposed to write about Homefront without talking about uh, America right. and politics? Like, um, and so that was really exciting to be around people like that. And and you know, the, nothing nothing but positive things to say. If you want, right. if you want more of that the stuff, I actually did an AMA recently on Reddit and, and answered yes. to kind of like what did I learn from Giant Bomb? So so check that out. Danielle, question from the I've top. I've got another question from the top. Top of the bucket. That's right. Question from the top. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this comes from Oscar. Oscar from Melbourne, in fact. Uh, and Oscar writes, Dear Digital Pyramid Heads. It's us. I like that. Uh, I've just been listening to a certain podcast that Patrick was on back in 2012 where he talks about being unconvinced by Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> I know Patrick's been on something of a journey of discovery since then. Uh, but for Austin and Danielle... <laughs> We all have said bad things. I used to say terrible things. But for Austin and Danielle, or whoever else uh, might be on the podcast this week, do you have any games you've written off that you later came to love? Hmm. And then there's a PS. I'm also curious whether Patrick still stands by Zombie U, or if either Patrick or Austin missed the shit fight over Game of the Year, (laughs) but that's a separate thing. Uh, I guess very sure that, yes, I missed the Game of the Year uh, discussion of Giant Bomb. Probably more than anything about being part of it. Do you? Yeah. Yes. You, you dug digging it in. Oh, there and, like, you were really, so good at it. You were very good. I love yeah. shredding people and disappointing people. <laughs> at the same time, God, I'll never get that hour about Fallout 4 back ever. I'll never get it back. <laughs> oh, as God. To be there when uh, Brad argued to get Destiny at, uh, number 10 on that, that list was, oh, boy. was one of the more beautiful moments <laughs> of my life. <laughs> The way the uh, incredulous Alex Navarro. I think uh, weirdly, I think time has validated. Him yeah, totally, to- totally. It was yeah. just yes. I m- I missed that. Anyway, uh, twenty fourteen Destiny. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys? Do you guys? <laughs> do you guys have an equivalent of like my Dark Souls of like a game where you're like you actively <sighs> said f this, and then at some point we're like, oh. Mm. Normally, it's stuff very close to release, where like something in the lead up to release, I'm like, man, fuck Call of Duty Four. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, I'm fresh out of college. Not fresh out of college. I was a few years out of college. Maybe it was like pretty much. I don't know. It was 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. 2007. So I was like, I'm young and I hate war. And like, I still do hate <laughs> nice, war. Nice, good. But yeah. like, now but you're just like, I'm in my 30s and I hate war. <laughs> and I hate war, exactly. Uh, but but I kind of just missed it as like, and I, you know, I played Call of Duty 2 and thought it was pretty okay, you know, but like, I didn't suspect that that would be a game that did anything with war, right? I thought it would be a game in which you were a soldier, not a game in which war was a topic. And I think it ended up, four especially, ended up with being the latter, um, that had like a very specific perspective on war, that was touching at least on notions of mechanized warfare and and war at a distance. Um, I, I always go back to the, there's a, a pair of levels, one in which you're in an AC-10 gunship and one in which you're like on the ground, like completely surrounded by people and just like, it's muddy and gross and violent and scary. And like that just juxtaposition was really smart and clever. And like, again, at that point it was just like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> form, whatever. And then I, what happened was I came home from the holidays and I was the only one in my apartment and my roommate had, had had Call of Duty for a while. And I had been like watching him play multiplayer and like rolling my eyes. And I was like, ah, fine, I'll play it. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, but that was like a very quick turn. There's something I held in my heart as bad for years or like disinterested or I don't think. I'm pretty open. I had – well, I have not gone on anything 
close to the journey you have, Patrick. But I was definitely fuck Dark Souls, mm-hmm. fuck it forever. Mm-hmm. I can and, and not the that I thought it was like sucks. not I, that uh, I thought it was shitty. Great, but parts yeah. of the fan base are really shitty. Yeah. The get like, good attitude. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna go to a boxing ring and get good. Thank you very much. <laughs> like, good? I'm sorry, but I have other skills. She'll go. <laughs> I'm just like I hate that attitude. Like I genuinely yes, hate that yes. attitude. Like well, I think so it sucks just, and it's like, not fun. Oh, that like, must reflect something about the way the game functions. Yes. Um, and in fact, I don't think it does. I've, I've said this a lot that I think Dark Souls is actually like it's not a. I think Dark Souls is a lot of ways built into it to make it a lot easier, and it's built for collaboration and community play. And those things are actually really positive and rad. And yeah. sometimes the community dresses up in a sort of machismo badass yeah. like that it doesn't need to do necessarily yeah it, it just really turned me the off game I, has a thing built into it where you're like man this boss is hard come help me that's like built into the that's game cool dog. yeah and that's a really really cool feature and i and i actually really like the weird things about those games yeah. i love the world building i love the sort of exploration and the quiet moments of those games i'm still not i wouldn't call myself like a souls fan i played like 60 hours of three I did fall I mean, off it I mean, at, at some point. Hours. <laughs> but, is a lot of hours. But I put a lot in. I, I got through Bloodborne. I loved Bloodborne. Uh, so I feel like I went from being like, it's never going to be for me ever, ever, ever. I don't want, you know, like I respect the design. I respect right. the sort of purity right. of the design. But I am not going to be a fan of this series to being like, I see the appeal here. I can enjoy at least some of right. this. So. I went on a partial journey. Well, see, with I, the yeah, games, I wasn't I uh, familiar with the fandom that much as much as I was judging the people who enjoyed Dark Souls. I was like, "You masochistic <laughs> weirdos! Like, what is the <laughs> damn?" I, I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's probably why yeah, uh, right? my comments from from back then, like, do like I, that was part. From what I remember, that was part of it. Was just like. Who the fuck would want to play this? And the people who play this right, are weirdos. Right. Like, <laughs> right. And now, and now know. I'm that weirdo. Now you're a weirdo. Right. Yeah. And now, like, in your whatever Patrick is writing thing, I've had an essay I needed to edit for a potential video feature from <laughs> you Dark Souls for months there. that is just, like, about the joy of learning from dying yeah. in Dark Souls. Yeah. So, you know, times change. Yeah. Times, times change. Uh, I'm going to dip a little bit deeper into the question bucket Ooh. here. Let's see. Um, da, da, da. I'm going to find a good one. I've got to find a good one because we're running out of time. I think we read that one before, too. Okay. I think we read that one before, too. Okay. I, have to, I have to start cleaning out this bucket. Uh, this bucket has a lot of loose, lingering a lot of old stuff in that there. bucket. Yeah. <laughs> a rusty at the bo- rusty bucket bay. That's a level in Banjo-Kazooie. Is it? Yes, it is. It sure is. Yeah, it's is. level eight. That's <laughs> glad that's I knew specific. that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so this, this I think, builds off of uh, that, that last one here, which is uh, this comes in from Andrew. So a big part of, of online gaming that has made or broken games for me is toxicity. Whether mm-hmm. it's a teammate yelling at you for not playing the way they think the game should be played or opponents uh, BMing, bad manners are ring. Good. I didn't know that's how – I didn't know it was called BMing. <laughs> uh, it always seems to leave a bad taste in my mouth. Hmm. Some games have solutions, Overwatch. Others are structured in a way that they almost promote negativity. League of Legends is their claim, not my claim. Uh, do you think that there is a way to c- combat this in a way that that still makes online competitive game experience feel right? Is this negativity perpetrated by uh, perpetuated rather by some online people made easier by anonymity? Uh, I always just miss the anonymity thing. Like I think there was a time that was like the truism was like, oh, internet, you know, anonymity plus strangers equals, equals dick yeah. or whatever. And then yeah. Facebook and comments like, showed up and, and then, it destroyed it yeah. for us. <laughs> I thought yeah, that, I, I thought that I took, too. I totally subscribed to that belief. Same. Um, 
And, yep. But it is not true. <laughs> no, it's super not true. Uh, so – I don't know. What do you think? I think that people – there's been some good research on this. I know Catherine Cross is, is mm-hmm. actually – she's a sociologist getting her PhD and she's done some some good looking into this, I, as I'm saying it all folksy. But uh, that people are really empowered to think of others as less human online in their interactions mm-hmm. online. Obviously, in this year, we're seeing – not just this year, but I feel like we're <laughs> yeah. seeing plenty of this in These person days. as well. But it, But yeah. it does seem that there's a strong correlation between feeling as if – Things that happen online are not the real world and people who are online are not, you know, quote unquote, real people in the same way. And their feelings just don't matter as much. And you can be a certain way online because it's like a different persona. And there's a, an incredible, you know, thoughtlessness to that in, in like not treating other people like totally. human beings just because they're on a screen and they're connected in a different fashion. Um, I mean, that's my take. I also am like, you know. I, I have zero tolerance for toxicity. Like I have plenty of tolerance for for something that that kind of errs on the side of like shit talk during a, a you know multiplayer game or something like yeah. like teasing among friends. I understand, but it feels like there is a very hard line when somebody's actually just actively being shitty and hurtful and mean and doesn't know where that line is. And I can't like it's, zero tolerance. I'm it's out. You know? So hard sometimes to be like I'm friends with this person, and also we want different things from this game. Um, I, I mean, like, first of all, like, there's a degree of, like, toxicity or, or like, being shitty that it just should be 100% on, like, yes. pass the fucking line, chill out, calm the fuck down, I'm not gonna play anything with you. But there is also just, like, legitimate uh, division between people I have in my life who want different things from competitive games or even non-competitive games. Like, I even think about something like uh, MMOs, where there are sorts of players who want to play an MMO in a way where, like, they're doing raids and they're getting their, their rotations exactly right and blah, blah, blah. I and I I lean towards that, but not all the way to where I'm like grumbling about other players necessarily. Right. And I'm not that's not even me shit talking people who grumble about other players. Like I'm just there are different types of people who want different types of things from games, and sometimes the people who I like want to talk about politics or movies with are not the same people who I want to play Overwatch with. Yeah. That like sometimes there are people who and I'm not even talking about this is true for all sorts of games for me. Like, oh hey, you and I get get together or get along really well, but I care more than you do about winning this match or vice versa. You care more about me playing my position right or about me keeping the buffs up or about whatever it ends up being. Like, um, And that disconnect can be really tough to navigate. Even in the – I find it in the tabletop space a lot too. It's like I think growing up, like, oh, I really want to play d and I'm going to play it with my friends even though this person has like a 12-page 12 12 backstory on their character and this person's name is like Fart McGuffin. <laughs> and like – Yep. Those people want different things from this game and and you kind of have to find either you have to either find that common ground where it's like okay. Fart McGuffin can talk to Gozier. Yeah, yes, exactly. exactly. Yep. Gozier is also just also Fart Gozier, McGuffin. Fart McGuffin, yeah. you know, whatever you're They're kind of the was. same person. It's true. Um, and that's totally fine. Like both of those are good ways to play games, but you just need to make sure that you have that at least have that conversation about expectations, I think. That helps if you're playing with with regular people. If you're playing that's with people regularly in your life. Patrick, do you find any toxic stuff in your gameplay experiences? I don't. Or are you like done with multiplayer games? Uh, I've, I just never, I've never been super into multiplayer games, like in post, like yeah. sort of N64, or rather like post college era, where it was just like yeah. I played multiplayer because it was like incredibly convenient. Um, so it just hasn't been a huge part of my life. But 
Um, I wish more developers took it uh, more seriously. Um, like I, I think sure. you have a, I have an enormous amount of respect for Riot Games and their openness and talking about looking at toxicity from an academic level, um, bringing in right. you know like psychological experts to like look at like things like how do you change you know like they're little things like how they you change the color you know from red to right. UI UX yeah stuff. like there's UI there's... stuff that actually like triggers like aggression in in players when they are playing competitive games when um you know like where League of Legends has pointed out where when someone gets banned like rather than just the ban happening it's like in a forum the ban is listed and the specific right. thing they did with the quotes in context to point out why you were banned got people to often back down uh is interesting um and so i really appreciate like what riot games does uh i think like overwatch is a great example of a game trying to find uh ui fixes for toxicity or you know like just the way that people vote um uh and uh for like players that have done like good work in a game but don't get necessarily recognized by the play of totally. the game like those are things like even if you didn't play that well uh there are ways for players to like encourage better behavior um and and right there there you're going to be positive because you're getting uh reinforce positive reinforcement which in turn blah blah yeah. blah even in overwatch like there isn't just a thing i can hit that can tell me how well my my the rest of my team is doing on an individual level i'm not going to be yelling at patrick because he's bad at i can see for instance maybe <laughs> that patrick is not on the payload where he needs to be but I, that's only, I, maybe it's anecdotal. Maybe Patrick can be, oh no, I was totally at the, I was on the payload most of the time. You just weren't, it was just a different time. You were there at the wrong moment. I was wrong there at the wrong moment. I yeah. was doing my job, I promise. And like, okay, I trust you. <sighs> but, but it's like, you know what else I trust? Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. I was just saying. No, I'm segueing to oh. close, so. I say it's a little, like with Overwatch, it's little things like not ranking people by KDR, right? Like, right. Um, it's right. finding the different, totally. different metrics for, to measure players' contributions is like really important. And Overwatch is a great example of a game that says, that, that part's not as important in terms of measuring contribution. We'll find some other way to track. That way you know how you're, you're you know how you are doing, but, and can judge yourself in that way. You know, I, I really, I really appreciate that. Do you know what else I appreciate? Ah. What else do you appreciate? I found a different seg. Uh, I appreciate the fact that you're going to go to our website and check out our end of year oh, content. Yeah. Hashtag content. I also appreciate <laughs> that you are going to come back on Friday and listen to our second podcast this week. This time, that time in the future, what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to talk about some of the, the categories. We don't, we're not really doing traditional award categories, but like I said, we are doing these clubs. And I, I feel like we need to determine, like, who is the team captain of the Waypoint High School paintball team? Yes. You know, who is the, the, the club uh, president of the Waypoint High School Horror Club? I don't yes. know who that, we're gonna find out. And talk about the year in gaming and the year, the, the kind of things that we've been doing over the last year and, and just kind of talk a, a little bit about What's been going on? So make sure you tune in for that. I'm Austin Walker. You can find me at Austin underscore Walker on Twitter, Austin Walker Games on Facebook. Danielle, what do you do? You can find me on Twitter, Danielle R.I. and Danielle Riendo Writer on Facebook. Perfect. Patrick. Find me at Patrick on Twitter and uh, P. Klupik on uh, Facebook. <laughs> We're on Twitter? <laughs> Patrick, um, wherever you want. <laughs> wherever, I'm just all, over, he's just all over Twitter. Patrick's Hot's, all over Twitter. Just what what is your, your Come bot? Find me. Is it Hot Scooperoonie or something Hot, yeah, like what's that? Your oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> bot. I don't know. I'm going to see if Patrick Klubik bot. It must not. be. I thought there was a Scooperoonie uh, or something. Is, uh, scoop, yeah, it's, scoop it's, spot or something? Scoop spot. <laughs> Can't find it. Mr. Scoops. Uh, also, shout out to the my favorite new bot on Twitter, at Ice Tea S- SVU, oh. in which it is uh, Ice Tea's character from SVU saying a bunch of uh, uh, procedurally generated lines. 
mixed with, with screen caps. So things like, for instance, it's called Dutch Pies. Kids try it at parties. Next thing they know, they're on YouTube getting paid to square dance with anteaters. <laughs> or like Toxicology says she OD'd on some new narcotic called Dog Tingle. It's made from seaweed and toner. Best bot. Very good bot. That's an excellent I found, bot. Okay, I found it. I found it. It's uh, Scooperson. Scooperson. Good. Uh, under the, the Twitter the, tw- the t- Twitter name is Tricky Scooperson. I, I will read uh, <laughs> Please. the most recent. Let's read a couple of them. Um, most recent one is Kotaku has revealed in an exclusive interview that pro WWE criminal story players were using Adderall in competition. Oh no. Oh, crime time. How could you do this? Oh, um, where's Ice T for this? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a true the, SVU. Yeah. <laughs> Atari are no longer under threat of hostile takeover after the runway runaway success of Rhythm Agents Fever. Finally, Rhythm Agents. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Perfect. Thanks, Atari. Oof. So you can find all that yep. on Twitter. You can find a lot of things on Twitter, it turns out. You can find mm. everything we do at uh, on Twitter at twitter.com slash waypoint, www.facebook.com slash waypointvice. Good. You can find uh, all of our articles and all of our end-of-year stuff at waypoint.vice.com, waypoint.zone, bazinga.zone, digitalpyramids.com. There are probably more out there. There, there are. Might, yeah. Just keep typing stuff into your bar and yeah. see if you You'll find another one that goes to Waypoint. You can just let us know. Use us. And then the other thing you can do is you can listen to uh, to our, our theme song, Miss You by Boen, by going to waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. And you should buy it because it's good. It's, and it's playing. Good. It's playing right now. All right. I'm going to also thank Tim Barnes, who's the person who put that in there right when yeah, I said Tim. right now. Thank you, Tim. Tim is in the room. Tim really likes Rogue One. We talked about it for a while. Tim is awesome and rad. I hope everyone had a pretty good uh, holiday weekend. I hope this week is really good. If you're traveling, be safe. If you're not traveling, be secure and and love yourself. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. And the other thing I'm going to say is is peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.